Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing. We have a new presenting sponsor here. Uh, As always, it's me, Henry Chisholm, your host. And right now, I want to tell you about Drift Car Sharing. And I actually haven't read this read yet, so let's see where we go. Okay, who wants to make some money? Everyone. Everyone wants to make money. Well, here's the easiest way you can add a few bucks to the wallet. Denver's newest travel hack is here. Drift shares locally owned cars with incoming travelers at Denver Airport for a better experience than car rental. Skip the chaos to save on time and fees when you book, or you can share your car to earn and park for free while you travel. Plus, there's no under 25 fee rule, so it's perfect for friends coming to visit. Drift is great if you're going home for break and perfect for extended travel, like a semester abroad. Allstate Insurance covers your car every trip, and Drift cleans it inside and out. That's right. Even if your car isn't rented out while you travel, Drift will still clean your car upon your arrival. Get all the info on drivedrift.com. That's drivedrift.com. I like that one. I think I think that that's a pretty great idea, huh? Um, if any of you guys have any experience with drift, I'm pretty sure it's pretty new. I heard some like whispers that this is going to be a thing. Let me know because this actually sounds awesome. And since I do get to travel just a little bit, I might have to check this out. Um, yeah. So I guess basically you just park your car and they give you money and clean your car, or you can travel and you can rent cars for cheaper than car rental places. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, check out drift car sharing because that is the future um okay Uh, as much fun as that was it's probably time to talk about sports so today tuesday was press conference day which meant we got to heard from a bunch of different buffs at a couple different podiums uh the day started with let's see who was first mikhail onu was first and it's always interesting talking to mikhail um he is one of the few guys on this team who is willing to like dig into the theory behind football with me. You know, a lot of guys like to keep it simple, either because they think that we don't care about the details or because maybe they don't know them. But Mikhail is somebody who really does like to dig in and nerd out, which is a lot of fun. And he was talking a lot today about the Arizona offense. And that's what we're going to start our day talking about because 
it is an interesting offense. It might not be, you know, a good offense, but it is an interesting offense to say the very least. Um, what McHale really wanted to focus on was all of the different actions that this Arizona offense is built upon. And they called those RPOs, obviously, the run-pass option, traditional. Um, it's crazy if that's traditional at this point, but a pretty core piece of every offense, and it has been for two or three years, and it first kind of started out six or seven years ago, and there were other varieties before that, but that's kind of how it's grown recently. Um, you guys know how that works. Basically, you pick somebody who's your key defensive end. He either crashes down the line of scrimmage to tackle the running back or he goes into the backfield to tackle the quarterback. Quarterback puts like starts to give a handoff to the running back, then pulls the ball if the read says that he, the quarterback should run. Um, he gives the ball if the read says that the running back should run. It's based on who has the best options, it's the same thing that Air Force does by taking a defender and taking him out of the play, not by blocking him, but by having him commit to a player himself rather than having a, an offensive player commit to him. It's genius little football tactic, and there's a reason it's taking over. So there's, there's the first one, the RPO. Also the RSO, which is interesting, and that's kind of, McHale called it their form of the triple option, which makes sense. And they actually do have some more real triple option, two running back type looks, but more than that, you see this RSO, run screen option. So the options for the quarterback, instead of reading uh, reading the running back or reading the defender to see if he's committing to the quarterback or the running back, he's looking out wide to see if he has numbers to throw a screen pass to the receiver. So it's the same thing, start to give the handoff, pull it if the screen pass looks like it'll pick up more than the run does. Pretty simple, but again, built off of putting your players where the defense isn't. And, I mean, that's that's very obviously where football is moving. Not even where football is moving, but just sports in general. I mean, basketball is the same way. It's just all spread out, get people wide, get people open, get them the ball. Um, yeah, it's, it's that same type of theory. Uh, you could kind of say that's a bit of a basketball offense in a way. And the way that like the Nuggets actually kind of run a football offense with the cutters almost running routes and Nicole Jokic passing, you could say that those little screen option type things are more of a basketball read where the defender's hedging type thing. I, I, I don't know. This is getting kind of nerdy already. We don't need to do that too much. Uh, but yeah, Mikhail was talking about how just like in that Air Force game, a lot of what these defenders will be asked to do is just play within themselves, follow their rules, um, be disciplined. Don't try to fly into the backfield and make a play because if you do that, you're leaving some other space wide open. Um, that That's kind of the gist of what we talked about. And he, he, again, I say this a lot, I've made you guys listen to him, but... He's interesting to talk, listen to just because he does have some good thoughts and good perspective, especially on these types of things. Um, it makes sense that that's kind of how Colorado would prepare for this offense. Uh, comparing it a lot to Air Force, it sounds like I mean, enough different guys today were saying that this is sort of like that Air Force offense that you can tell that that's something that they are talking about behind the doors that we aren't allowed to open. Other big story... Um, you'll notice that in those 
uh, actions that he explained. He actually explained a couple more, but those are kind of the base, what you need to know. You guys get the gist of what they're trying to do now. Um, he also explained a couple more actions, but most of them are built off of having a mobile quarterback. Um, Khalil Tate obviously being that guy, but Khalil Tate, we don't know if he's even going to play this Saturday. Starting quarterback for a couple of years now. He beaten the buffs a couple of different ways with his legs and then with his arm he's far from the perfect quarterback you know if you only watch the games against the buffs you might think that he was but he has trouble hitting his targets he has trouble trouble making good decisions he isn't a great thrower of the ball but because this offense is so good at getting players spread out it creates run after the catch opportunities um, lots of three receiver, four receiver type stuff, just spreading the defense out, make one guy miss and go. Um, that opens up a lot of more passing lanes for a guy like Khalil Tate. They're not asking him to fit the ball into tight windows the way that even the buffs kind of asked Steven Montez to with the way that their route patterns work. They're a little more complex. It's, uh, it, it, the offense is built pretty obviously for a guy like Khalil Tate. But if he isn't able to go like he wasn't able to go against UCLA last week, then we'll see Grant Gunnell, the true freshman, again. Um, it's uh, it, it's interesting how different Gunnell is. You know, he's not fast. He's a pocket passer. A lot of these same offensive philosophies can still kind of work. You know, he can still read guys. He can still make good decisions. And the whole offense, it isn't just built off of the quarterback running. It's built off of getting numbers for the offense in one area and then attacking that one area, whether it's with a receiver or running back or quarterback. So a lot of the concepts should still work, but the it, it, it is just so much different in what the decision-making will be. Um, Grant Canell started for Khalil Tate last week. Um, we don't know if he'll be back. We still haven't gotten an update on which quarterback will be out of, or which quarterback will be playing out of Arizona, out of, uh, head coach Kevin Sumlin. It's, it's weird. And, you know, they were talking about that too. Mikhail Onu was talking about how they really do have to have two different game plans. You know, the first, if, if, you, if you're playing a guy like Khalil Tate, you just got to stop his legs and everything else will kind of follow. Um, that's not the, the case with Grant Cannell. You're dropping back in coverage. Maybe you're rushing, rushing the passer more instead of trying to contain him. Things change. And Mel Tucker said the same thing during his press conference. He said, you know, there are some things that stay the same. There are some things that are different. But you have to work hard and study hard this week because there's a lot more to learn than usual. And it won't be until game day, more than likely, that they know which of their game plans they'll go with. I wish I had asked him, you know, what's the number? Is it 50% of the stuff stays the same between both quarterbacks? Or is it 25% or 75%? How much is switching based on which quarterback plays? We don't know. Um, also worth noting that Quill Tate's injury is a hamstring injury. So... That means that if he does play, even if he isn't 100%, then he might be a step slow, which could open things up for Colorado. I think that that was probably the most interesting storyline to me today. 
uh, how exactly all of this, all the changes on Arizona's offense will affect the defense this week. But there is some other stuff too. Um, should definitely note that the depth chart came out again this week, just like it does every Tuesday, and things were the same. I think everything on the entire depth chart was the same. Um, only differences being LaVisca Chenault, Mustafa Johnson, Chris Miller, all listed as questionable. So they're just, their names are in italics on the depth chart now. There was also the injury report. Uh, learned, honestly didn't learn that much about any of the three. It was all the same stuff that we'd heard yesterday that they're going to be game time decisions. Uh, for LaVisca Chenault, undisclosed injury to the body, not a concussion. Uh, he's listed as day-to-day, so that's all we know still. Not a lot of details. Um, Mustafa Johnson has an ankle sprain. He's day-to-day. Chris Miller has a knee sprain. He's day-to-day. So all of those guys could see them on Saturday, may not see them on Saturday. Uh, we just don't really know. Again, a uh, lot of injuries in this game for both sides. Chris Miller, Mel Tucker said yesterday, just a little reminder, yesterday said uh, Chris Miller is the furthest away in his recovery. So do what you will with that. Maybe that means he's 75% or there's like a 25% chance he plays. Maybe it's a 60% chance. We don't really know. We just know that it's less than Mustafa and LaVisca. So that is very important information. Not much changing, not much news there, but... No news is still news. We also heard from Tim Lanott today. Uh, he talked a little bit about the offensive line's kind of maybe breakout performance against Arizona State. I think that'd be fair. Um, maybe you need to see them replicate a couple times before you really say that that was the turning point and not just a, a strong game, part of a roller coaster this season. But I think it's the best they've looked all year. And he, I don't know if he said exactly that, but the way he was talking about it sounded like he thought that. I can say that for sure. Um, the offensive line stayed consistent. All five guys, every snap of that game, they got into a rhythm. They got going early. Uh, they felt like they knew everything Arizona State was going to throw at them, which is interesting considering that Arizona State has one of the most complex defensive fronts in the Pac-12. They give so many different looks. They'll line up linebackers in the A gaps and the B gaps. They'll they'll switch guys around. They'll throw seven guys at the last scrimmage, drops them off. They'll run some 3-3 three, three stuff. It's really tough to gauge what exactly is going on before the snap. Tim said that everybody was locked in and prepared, and they had it covered. So that's a good sign because even if this Arizona State front isn't the best most talented in the conference it definitely is one of the trickiest to gauge and that's where Tim really thought that his group excelled so this week against Arizona who's another very aggressive defense they want to blitz they want to send rushers they're going to see some of the same looks they saw last week you have to hope that they can carry it over that they learned how to approach the week Um, again a lot a big theme throughout this entire uh season has been an emphasis on how practice translates into games and that's something that coaches will always say it's always one of their little cliches but you don't hear it this much from the team 
You know, these are all guys who are bought into that thought process. You know, Mikhail Onu was saying, we give up some big plays in the passing game. Well, if we want to get rid of those, it starts by getting rid of those in practice. And if we get rid of those in practice, it'll go over. And it's whenever there's something like that. It's prove it in practice, and it'll translate to game day. That's what you like to hear. I mean, Mel Tucker has his team thinking this way, and maybe that's why, by some accounts, there hasn't been a single bad practice. Uh, I can't remember who's... I think uh, John Van D said that last week and stuck out to me because there have been quite a few practices since the start of this football season. That's meaningful. It's really meaningful to hear that they feel that way, that everybody is locked in. You know, it's that business-like attitude, understanding that this is their job. Uh, we don't need to get into the compensation thing again, but, but you know, they're getting scholarships. They're supposed to go out there and win football games, and they understand that's, that's work. That's grind. Uh, can't focus on anything other than the grind and hope that all the work you put in translates. Huge theme so far this season. Um, also heard from Carson Wells. Uh, he, he's not much of a talker. He's kind of quiet. He'll give you like a few lines. Um, nothing really out, out, out of what you'd expect. Um, interesting to hear his takes though. I, I think I'd only met him once before today. He... He's intense. He's really intense. Uh, he he said some stuff about uh, the same things. We just want to work. We just want to grind. It's about getting better every single day because that's what good teams do. Uh, that's how you close the gap between this team and the next best team. You know, lot lot of football talk. Not not football football talk, but just the the type of talk you expect to hear from football players. Also heard from Steven Montez today. He talked about some of the same things that Tim Lanott did, mostly how having having a strong offensive line has helped him, uh, how that really is what he think made him have such a strong performance against Arizona State the last time the Buffs played. He had some other interesting comments, though. Uh, one that I really keyed in on was when he said that he and Jay Johnson, new offensive coordinator Jay Johnson, have spent a lot of time working on stepping up in the pocket. When he hits step three or step five or step seven of the drop, whatever it's supposed to be, landing on that back foot and stepping up in the pocket. When rushers come, let them fly back behind you. Step up in the pocket even more. That's what the pocket's meant for. That's why you build a pocket so that the quarterback can stay there. Not so that he has running lanes or I don't even know. But that that has been a point of emphasis. He says that that's something that's really helped him. And, you know, I hadn't noticed it, which makes me feel kind of bad about myself and my ability to do my job. But I hadn't noticed that he is stepping up in the pocket more. But as soon as he did say, I was like, yeah, that is what's going on. You know, it's, it's easy to say he's not getting happy feet because... Uh, there's less of a pass rush, but it's also being confident in what you're doing. You, statistically, that is the safest place to be, is up in the pocket. If, if somebody's coming, if you hit two seconds and you should be about to get hit, if you take another step up, odds are you're in a better spot than you, are, than you would be if you just stayed. You know, Dodge those edge rushers. Keep everything in front of you because they have to go so wide to get around the tackles. Uh, that that does seem like a big thing when you're you, you know he had that tendency to jump around to kind of panic to like w wiggle almost but now he is just that that's what that looking strong in the pocket is that's him stepping up that's what he's telling his feet to do instead of 
wander. Um, interesting to hear that. Makes sense. You can see it after you hear it. Uh, also, he acknowledged that he do- does have happy feet. Like he, he said it himself. Like, you know, that used to be a thing. I used to jump around. And part of that is because um, the, the offense moves fast. And when the offense moves fast, he feels like his feet start getting faster. Everything starts getting faster. So this started when I asked him a question. Like, you know, last week you said that uh, the offense came out lethargic. Or not last week. Before the Arizona State th- game, you said that the week before against Air Force, the offense came out lethargic. Everybody was kind of slow going through their reads, making their decisions before the snap. And it just wasn't the right kind of energy that you need to run an offense that seemed to change against Arizona state. Like, is that why you think that this happened? And he said, yeah, that was part of it, but you have to be careful not to go too fast because when you go too fast, that's when it gets easy to make mistakes, start stumbling over yourself. So he, he also mentioned there that that is where his feet start to get a little jittery. If things are going fast, if everything's moving really fast, his feet go fast just to match it. So it's, it's, it's being controlled as well. Um, some interesting stuff and not necessarily things that maybe we have to know, you know, hearing that doesn't make me think, Oh yeah, now I get, but it is just, I don't know. I love hearing how these guys think because they spend all day thinking about football. And when it's just a chance to get into Steven Montez's head and think, wow, okay. It's because of these things. That's what he feels as a quarterback, something that I'm going to keep with me as I go through my career talking to quarterbacks. Um, And that's kind of what is best. You know, same thing talking to Mikhail Onu. When you get to hear him say, you know, this is how I see this defense. That's something that sticks with you. That changes how you think about football because these smart guys who spend a lot of time thinking about football feel this way. And I I don't ever get a chance to be in their shoes. I don't get to sit in meetings. This is turning kind of sad. I would love to sit in a football meeting Okay, uh, long first segment. There's still one more big note that I want to get to from the press conference, but we're going to do that after we talk about Breckenridge Brewery. Okay, uh, what have I not said about Breckenridge Brewery that I need to say? Um, Not much. We talk about a lot, but I did just realize there is one thing. Uh, October 5th, I think that's the Saturday, yep, is the Breckenridge Brewery Hootenanny. I don't know what a Hootenanny is, but they say that it's pretty much just their birthday party. They're turning 29. They have a bunch of things going on at their massive campus in Littleton. Uh, Goes from noon to seven, rain or shine. They have a bunch of bands um, like, where's that list of bands? Oh, lineup. Oh, the Disco Biscuits, Mandolin Orange, Los Colones, and then that's just one of the stages. Then on the other stage, they have the Jaunty, Pick and Howl, um, looks like some bluegrassy type stuff. 45 bucks gets you in, and it gets you a beer ticket. It looks like a blast. Really does. You should definitely check it out, because everything they do there is awesome. They host a bunch of concerts, um, and it's always super cool. They bring in like Red Rock size acts, and I'm sure that whatever they're doing with this Hootenanny is going to be awesome. There's also a video that they made from their 2018 Hootenanny for their birthday. I've said the word Hootenanny so many times. Um, 
check that out. Definitely support them. It's going to be a blast. I think October 5th is a Saturday, but I'm not totally sure. I'll be back with that for you tomorrow. I'll research and figure out whether October 5th is a Saturday. Okay. Uh, that's Breckenridge Brewery. That's their awesome event. I also want to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. Uh, for those of you who haven't heard, Denver Rub- Rubber Company is perfect for all of your custom rubber needs. So whether that is um, gaskets, uh, some of you out there might know what gaskets are. If you are if you need gaskets, custom die-cut gaskets, uh, molded rubber, custom contract manufacturing, custom hoses. I mean, this is stuff for people who need a lot of rubber and things made out of rubber. Go to Denver Rubber Company. They're local, just like us. They wanted to partner with us because we are also local. That's what we do. They've been around since 1972. Uh, they, they serve a bunch of industries, including aerospace, pharmaceuticals, construction, medical, uh, military electronics. They want to work with you from design until the final product and find a way that is cost-effective and will also just meet all of your requirements, which is very important. If you guys need help with custom design or material selection, or if you have a deadline to make a big order, don't hesitate to call Denver Rubber Company. The phone number is 1-800-259-0010, or you can visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr and then they will know that we sent you which we appreciate okay time to get back to the buffs um before we move on to talk about my favorite line from mel tucker today the one that has kind of got me thinking too much to be honest uh i do want to mention that the buff soccer team which won arizona against arizona on friday was moved up from number 24 to number 17 in the national rankings, the top 25 rankings today. And that's uh, that's exciting. They're a really good soccer team, and they're getting a little more recognition. Big weekend coming up, Oregon State on Thursday. Oregon, uh, or no, Oregon Thursday. Oregon State Sunday. Uh, Oregon State is just outside the top 25 Big games, first home Pac-12 games. They only have like one, maybe two more weekends here. I think three more games at home after this. So go check them out. I will definitely be there. We can talk some buffs. Okay, that's soccer. Uh, Now football. Mel Tucker said today, you know, this isn't something that really... it's, it's, It's not revolutionary, I don't think. It's just that... It's something that I had never spent any time thinking about, and I had never heard anybody else say it before. Here's what Mel Tucker said. I think the more guys you play, the better morale you're going to have on the team. Simple, and it makes sense. Guys are happy when they play, so rotate more of them in. They'll be happier. You know, again, like that's not this crazy novel concept but it is something I'd never heard of before, and it makes a lot of sense. In that same answer, I can't remember what he got asked, but he talked a lot about the young guys getting a chance. And he said for him as a coach, like that is one of the most exciting parts of the game, getting to see a true freshman get on the field and see what he can do, because you really don't know. 
when you recruit somebody, it's almost like you're just, I mean, are you kind of buying a lottery ticket? I don't know. I don't know what a good analogy is, but you don't know what you're getting. And it isn't until you get to actually put somebody on the field and see what they can do that you actually know whether you made the right decision, bring him there, whether he's a dud or whether he could be a cornerstone for the program for four years. That's what makes it so exciting. Um, that's what's so exciting for Mel Tucker when he gets to throw a freshman onto the field like he did quite a bit last week. Uh, KJ Trujillo has gotten some run. He could get a lot more if Chris Miller doesn't play this week at cornerback. True freshman. You know, Dimitri Stanley's out there. Uh, Jaron Mangum. He's had a lot of these guys, but slowly more have started to trickle in. Mel Tucker was genuinely excited talking about that part of football. The part where one of the guys who you know is good goes down. And so you get to see something from one of these lottery tickets, get a little flash of the future, see whether you have somebody there because if they come out and play well, then all of a sudden you have a stud for four years at that position. But then he, then he changed it a little bit. And so he had all these different reasons for why you rotate a bunch of players in. Obviously, you know, it's keeps them fresh, all that kind of stuff. But then also I think the more guys you play, the better morale you're going to have on the team. Again, not super deep, but an idea that maybe a lot of football coaches who aren't Mel Tucker wouldn't have thought of. But that's the exact kind of stuff that Mel Tucker does think about. And it isn't that this line, like, sure, it's interesting to think, like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. But what's even more interesting is that this is kind of an, a, a perfect window into what Mel Tucker is and how he thinks and how he runs this program it isn't just about football and who is the best player what routes can he run what combination combination of routes can these three receivers run best together that will also result in a football play a pattern that stretches the defense in these different ways and uses the offensive line to its peak and a quarterback how do you fit all these pieces together then build what they do best like like that's football that's what an offensive coordinator spends every day of his life thinking about how do I use these different pieces, put them together in, I don't know, 50 different ways for this game this weekend so that we can win. You know, how, what are all these different combinations of things that I can ask these guys to do that they can all do at a high level? Who can I bring in to sub out? You know, Mel Tucker, as much as he is a, you know, great defensive mind, all that kind of stuff. He knows his football. That's not, I'm not trying to say he doesn't know his football, but what makes him a great head coach is that he's more than that. That he does realize things like, huh, if we can't decide whether, you know, playing LaVisca for a 50th snap and he's only at like his 75% best because he is running so much, or we can have some random freshman come in and at his very, very best, he is LaVisca at 75%. How do you make the decision between those two? When it's close, Mel Tucker thinks, oh, this would make this kid happy. This would make the program healthier. Who knows if that counts for anything? Who knows if there would have been a time when the kid, you know, gets down? All these different sorts of things. But that kind of stuff is on Mel Tucker's mind. He isn't just trying to be a football nerd, be somebody who can innovate and be creative and, you know, do those, those sorts of things. He's also thinking, how do I build a strong program, a healthy program that can last for 
a while. You know, he's trying to build this into something that people want to be a part of. And so much of that is controlling the energy of the team. You know, going back to when John Van D said, there hasn't been a bad practice because the coaches just won't let us have a bad practice. This is that same kind of stuff. Keeping guys happy. Keeping guys happy in practice because they know, you know, like Darren Shiverini said early in training or in fall camp that threw me all the way off that they wanted to have six to eight receivers rotate in every game. Wild thought. But what does that mean? Your sixth, seventh, eighth, and beyond that, ninth, tenth, eleventh receivers, all guys who are competing for reps, are going to do in practice. They're going to be working harder. It's that sort of stuff that makes a, a good offensive coordinator, a good defensive coordinator, a great head coach. Being able to come up with motivational strategies. You know, this is all like CEO Fortune 500 stuff. Like some some guy in a suit wrote a book that mentioned these exact same things. I'm sure somewhere. Maybe not in terms of football, but something you can twist easily and make it fit. Uh, that's, that's the line. That line of thinking is really what makes Mel Tucker different and what what me what shows that he has a future as a head coach because he does think that way because he realizes that building a football program doesn't just mean putting the pieces together to run an offense being creative you know doing that kind of stuff it's bigger it's interacting with the community because the community comes back and supports the buffs you know doing things with the students having students in the crowd for a bunch of reasons. You know, if Mel Tucker goes out and just introduces himself to some random kid walking across campus, might mean absolutely nothing. Maybe the kid never does anything with that interaction. At the same time, though, maybe that kid starts going to games, brings his friends to games, you know, that kind of stuff that the the team likes, makes them happy, they start behaving better, they, they support each other, whatever good morale does for a team. It, it looks good for recruits who want to come out there. Of course, you're getting their money a little bit, throwing that in the program. And who knows, maybe sometime down the road, that kid makes a bunch of money and wants to donate to the program. Probably not. Probably does not matter in the slightest that Mel Tucker introduces himself to that kid or goes and invites a hundred kids to come do whatever fun thing, meet the coach thing that college football programs tend to do. But Mel Tucker realizes that you have to have those relationships. You have to go by quantity. You have to give so many people an opportunity to like you. Never pass up that opportunity because some of those people will be able to help you down the line. It's just how you keep a program healthy. And he is so outgoing in that regard and he understands it. I don't even know that he likes it, but I know that he does it because he understands it. Um, hear the same thing from coaches of other programs where they'll say, oh yeah, you know, Mel Tucker, he takes an interest. You know, Mel's in the front row of the basketball games. Mel's going to soccer games. He does all of these things. And honestly, most of them, there will be no return for him or for the Buffs football program. But occasionally there will be. Occasionally one of them will show up. And, and that is what's so important. And that's why you try to rotate guys in when you get a chance. Because maybe maybe these kids are going to get rotated in whether Mel Tucker has this thought or not. But the fact that he did think, I think the more guys you play, the better morale you're going to have on the team. It, duh. Every, everybody knows that. You might not think it because it's just so obvious. But 
the fact that that is something that is on Mel Tucker's mind is just emblematic of what he is trying to build as a program and why I truly do believe that the Buffs are going to be a very strong football team, football program in the near future. Um, I don't know. I just really liked that one line and then thought about it for way, (laughs) way too long on my way back from Boulder today. Um, Yeah, I mean, usually we get deep into football stuff and not into Mel Tucker's thought processes, but Mel Tucker has some awesome thought processes too. Also, of all the things I tweeted, I had to pull this up on my phone to get the quote. Of all the things I tweeted, that one got the least play and that kind of bothers me. Um, So yeah. I don't, you guys don't care at all, but yeah, that's a, my take on that line. And before we get to, actually, I didn't check if we have any questions before I check if we have any questions today. Um, I want to tell you about Vita mobile IV, uh, have not talked about Vita mobile IV for a while now, but it is a really cool service that I didn't even realize was a thing that people like us could do. Um, and by people like us, I mean poor. Uh, so Vita Mobile IV is mobile IV. They bring, I don't know if they just put water in the bag and inject it with water or if it's some like different fluid that's very watery. The point is it gets you hydrated. You see a bunch of pro athletes do it. Um, Von Miller occasionally posts pictures from his house um, like the morning of games where it'll just be somebody attaching an IV to him and just so he's like super hydrated, really go, avoids cramps, and he'll have like a couple of the guys over with him. Like pro athletes do this kind of stuff all the time because it sounds expensive to have somebody bring an IV to you, but it really isn't. And that's why some people who are not pro athletes do it to cure hangovers. And I'm sure they do it for other reasons too, but mostly people do it to cure hangovers. They'll come to your home, they'll come to your office, they'll come to your dorm room, wherever you need to be hydrated or to cure a hangover. Um, it's It takes about 30 minutes. I know I've never done one still because I'm pretty responsible, but Ryan Konigsberg has done it before. And he said that he felt like a four out of 10 when the the IV nurse showed up. I wonder if they're nurses. They must be. Um, but yeah, when, when the nurse showed up, he felt like a four out of 10. He was hungover. He drunk, drank too much the night before. And then 30 minutes later, he said he was a nine out of 10. And then he had a sandwich. And then he was a 10 out of 10. Just right back to, to normal uh, in like 35 minutes. Pretty good deal. If you use code HYD20, then you can save 20% off your first IV drip. So that's pretty cool. Uh, definitely do that. If you're hungover and don't want to be hungover because you have something going, whether it's a meeting or school or I don't know. I mean, you're just sitting there and you're in pain. So just do it. Just do it. Uh, MobileIV.com and use code HYD20. Save 20%. It's a great deal. Uh, I I want to check them out just because it seems like a cool thing. But at the same time, I really don't like needles especially inside of me. So I don't know if I'll be able to do it. All right. So while I was saying all that stuff, I pulled up our comments and we had five today. 
which is awesome. Really appreciate it. Should have checked before. We could have done two segments with these comments, I bet. So it looks like a couple of them are conversation that started with Zero Mark 30, our guy. And he says, best way to slow down, because I don't think we'll be able to shut him down completely, Khalil Tate. Do we keep Davion Taylor as a quarterback spy, considering he is one of our fastest players on defense? I really like that look. I like that look for a whole bunch of reasons. I think he's the perfect person to spy because he is fast for his size and fast in general too. Obviously you need to match speed first, but also he's big enough to play in that inside linebacker spot. Line up mirroring Cool Tate so he doesn't have to sprint to the other edge, you know, cut across really fast. Also like him there in general just because he provides more speed at that position than Nate Landman or John Van Deest can. Um, so yeah, I'm a fan of that. That'd be my choice. Uh, one guy who's gotten a lot of time uh, spent as a quarterback spy is Carson Wells. Uh, he got asked about it today. Uh, Eric Christensen, I th- oh, let's see, I shouldn't say it. Uh, I, th- I think he's CBS4. I think he's definitely CBS4. Asked him, you know, in the past, you've been a spy. I, I don't want you to div- divulge your game plan, so I'm not asking if you will be a spy this week. But what's it like being a spy? You know, so, so it, it was actually a great question because it's very ob- obvious for them to just say like, oh, no, we can't give away game plan. But just to hear what it's like. And Carson's talked about for a couple seconds, said, you know, it's it's an interesting gig just mirroring the guy. Uh, you know, he, he made it sound like there's a good chance that it will be him. If I had to put money on who it will be, I would guess it is Carson Wells, who is back from the concussion, played last See, Arizona State was two weeks ago. Um, so, yeah, that would be my guess. Uh, my I wish it was Davion Taylor, though, mostly because I would like to see it. That's the other thing, though. Like, I can have my take. The coaches can definitely have their takes. Sometimes I'll be right. Most of the time they'll be right. And uh, maybe almost every time they'll be right. But um, the difference is they get to see practice. Like, I'm sure they've thrown Davion Taylor and Carson Wells at the spy position, if you want to call it a position, because it is kind of, eh. they've, they've had, they've asked both to spy. They've seen how both can do. They know what they can do in other positions. They have more information. So if they say Carson Wells is the guy that who should be there, they're probably right. But I would really like to see what Davion Taylor could do. Silver buff replied. (laughs) um, Potentially his trainers will shut him down. Great joke. We love the jokes. Um, you'll remember that Zero Mark 30 started the comment by saying, best way to slow down because I don't think we will be able to shut him down completely. Quill Tate, um, the trainers, very true, might not play. I mean, the way to shut down a mobile quarterback is to get pressure inside, get the defensive lineman up in his face, just collapse that pocket, just have the outside guys contain, have the inside guys move in so that the only escape line is deep out the back. I wouldn't mind seeing some blitzes. You just have to make sure there aren't any holes in the pocket that he can leak out through. You just want to push the front of the pocket back up in his face. If you have a spy, then you can put the spy on him so that when he leaks out, he can just meet him before he gets to the line of scrimmage. That's how I like to get rid of multiple quarterbacks. I uh, don't really know. Uh, Zero Mark 30 responded, good point. <laughs> I guess I should rephrase this to, if Khalil Tate is, is healthy enough to play, um, like RK said a few podcasts ago, KT gives me nightmares. He always seems to play his best games against us. Yes, he does. Um, yes, he does. It's 
It doesn't make a lot of sense. It really doesn't. But, yeah, he's beaten Colorado with his legs and his arm. And it's going to, you got to hope something changes because they need to win. Uh, Silver Buff, with his own comment, we've said his name quite a few times. He might be on pace for another personal record. He keeps track of those. Uh, the two biggest aspects for the NIL bills and Title IX and competition. If a football player gets paid, so if you guys didn't listen yesterday, I talked a lot about the law in California and how that kind of impacts college sports, particularly in Colorado, kind of what the fallout could look like over the next couple of years. Um, so, yes, biggest aspects, Title IX and competition. So, Silver Buff says, if a football player gets paid $1,000 for a commercial and a female athlete gets paid $100 for the exact same commercial, does she have grounds to sue under Title IX? That's a legal issue that will need to be figured out. Probably not, um, for the same reason that um, if you have LaVisca Chenault in an ad and you have Tony Brown in an ad, both great receivers, the truth just is that LaVisca Chenault is... Um, is the bigger brand. He's more valuable. And if you were to take LaVisca Chenault and compare him to Taylor Korniak, the star of the Buff soccer team, uh, going to be on the U.S. women's national team in my mind, I think she'll definitely be in that pool. We don't need to get into that right now. I think we'll have a chance to do that at some other point. But uh, yeah, I mean, you you see what both of them are worth. LaVisca is going to be worth a lot more to somebody who's advertising. I don't think that she would have the grounds to sue under Title IX unless it was organized by the school, and even then, they'd probably be out of it um, just because you could probably prove that he's worth more. And you could go through and say, hey, uh, Nike says that Serena Williams is worth this and LeBron is worth this. You know, you could go all the way through the top 100 male athletes, top 100 female athletes in terms of how marketing partners have valued them and show that the men just because there is more exposure to men's sports uh, they're what you see on tv are worth more to marketers yeah we love talking about the law um he also says recruiting battles between a school with a huge booster base and a school with a smaller base likely won't be as competitive leading to similar results on the field, even more, more so than current conditions. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I'm actually going to pause this for a second to see if I can find a tweet I saw yesterday that I thought was pretty interesting. So be right back. Okay. So I looked too long for the tweet that I was trying to find, but I found a similar one. This comes from Tom Van Haren, uh, ESPN college football reporter. So 237, of the 300 ESPN top 300 prospects are committed, 54% of those committed are committed to 11 different schools. Um, there are a bunch of very similar numbers that show that it is very top heavy, that the top prospects already go to the, I mean, a very small number of schools. Obviously, having more money from boosters in these different, or, particularly at those schools like USC is going to have more people willing to promote USC kids you know that will cause even more of an imbalance but it is so 
unbalanced right now that I don't know how much of an effect it could really have, if that makes sense. You know, so much of what's happening with this law, we just don't know the effects of. And Mel Tucker got asked about it today. Uh, He got asked, what do you think of it? And I mean, he kind of dodged the question. It he played it off like he wasn't dodging the question. I don't even think you can just say he was dodging the question. And he really doesn't dodge many questions, which makes sense. This is as close as I think we may have seen. But he said, I don't think, or he was asked how it would affect football, particularly recruiting. And he said, I don't think anybody knows now. I think it's all speculative. We'll know more as time goes on. And that's kind of my take too. Seems like it will definitely push recruits towards schools with a stronger base of boosters how much that actually affects things because they're already getting most of those kids anyway you don't really know i mean where where it could have an impact you know if if usc is already getting as many guys as they want and maybe that's not the best example at this point if alabama is already getting all of the guys they want and the guys they don't want are going to oklahoma or clemson then those three schools, sure, the boosters might give more money, but it's not going to change where anybody's going because they're getting everybody they want anyway. So it'll be interesting to see what effect this has, how strong the effect is. Just don't, just don't know yet is the answer. It seems like it could definitely push things toward less competitive competition. There we go. Um, but again, Alabama and Clemson have run things for a while. Georgia and Oklahoma have been right behind them. Um, it's not like any of those schools who have been dominant, or at least some of the most dominant over the last few years, would be able to benefit. You know, maybe maybe that top tier, instead of being, I mean, honestly, it's kind of two teams with uh, Alabama and Clemson, and then you have the second tier that's I don't like Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, or, or Georgia, Oklahoma, uh, throw five or six of the next schools in there. And then maybe there's another tier after that, tier three is 15 schools. Maybe it crunches all those together because they do have the number. You just don't know. You just don't know. Um, college football is already really top heavy. I don't know how much more top heavy it could get, I guess, is what it comes down to. Um, he finishes a comment. I think most people don't care if players can make money off likenesses. They just don't want to see non blue bud schools get shafted. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's valid and it'd be interesting to see, you know, what's a school with a, I mean, like, like I'm sure people who graduated from Duke have a lot of money, you know, like, and if they want a good football program, I guess maybe they're just invested all the way in basketball. But if they wanted a stronger football program, I wonder if they would be able to convince boosters to start sponsoring kids and or however you want to phrase it. It'd be weird. The actual mechanism that boosters would give money to students with is kind of fuzzy at this point. Like the, the easy way is uh, uh, some booster owns a car dealership and wants an ad with one of the student athletes. Easy. Give him the cash. There you go. But could a booster just say like, hey, here's 15 pairs of Nikes and a new car. Like, <laughs> would that be allowed? I don't know. 
uh, again, you just have to see how it sorts out. What do the rules actually look like? Because profiting off of your likeness doesn't mean like just accepting cash. It, it could. They, the, they could decide that that's okay. You, we don't know. We don't know is the answer. But even if it's scary because it could make college football a lot different than it is or whatever you're worried about, it is also going to be a pretty intriguing couple of years as this all pans out. And it's going to be fun to follow, I, th- I think. I'm excited to see where it goes. Okay, um, Sunny Rain says, Henry, I feel you about having sling. Uh, I really hate having to pay to watch channels end up being dropped, but I've gotten tired of being locked out of the most Pac-12 action, so you bite the bullet. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. You know, I love... Okay, that's a stretch. I really like what Sling does with the Pac-12. Like, you get all six of the Pac... I'm not pushing this. I'm not trying to advertise. I just realized it sounds like I'm trying to get you to buy this. No affiliation to Sling. This is just my take. Um, Having, you know, all six Pac-12 channels. So, you have the Mountain. That's where Colorado, Utah, the Pac-12, Arizona, Pac-12, Bay Area, Pac-12, Washington, Oregon, L.A., there is so much Pac-12 content constantly. It has been just a dream. For somebody who's trying to figure out how the Pac-12 works and what everything looks like and being able to watch these replays, all these different things, it's been incredible. Is the content perfect? <laughs> no, no, it isn't. Is it frustrating that I couldn't just get the one Pac-12 network through cable and DVR it or even just subscribe to it? Or, you know, have my parents have it on their direct TV plan so that I could just stream it from a couple thousand miles away. All of that would be really nice. It's so frustrating being being forced to spend $30 just to watch the buffs. <sighs> but at the same time, you know, I get to watch every football game. I get to watch every volleyball game, every soccer game, basketball games, of course, you know. That part of it is kind of nice, and I've really enjoyed that, but 30 bucks a month, my goodness. That's the only option. Um, okay, Sunny Rain continues. Uh, on the bill, I love it. Can't wait to see the NCAA temper tantrum. <laughs> Fair. Uh, of course, states are already trying to catch up and even go beyond what this law would do. In the end, it's here. The whole thing has changed now. Let's hope the NCAA grows up and acts adult for a change and actually does something that will, will be equity to the situation. Yes, I think that that kind of sums it up. I mean, even t- like Kentucky, I just saw while I was on Twitter trying to find that tweet. Kentucky now has its own bill that it's trying to pass that's going to do something similar, not the exact same. It all comes down to this being super complicated. And while it sounds like, oh, here's what's going to happen, we really just don't know what is going actually going to happen like the all the different ways this could go all the different rules the ncaa could impose all the different ways that these laws could be tweaked so that they work better for everyone like the actual mechanisms inside these laws are still 100 percent to be determined and the worst thing the ncaa could do is just scream about it or throw a temper tantrum like sunny rain said while all these different states pass laws that will have rules that don't line up and make some things legal in some states and the exact same things that you're forced to do in one state is illegal in another, it's, it's, it's going to be a mess unless the NCAA sucks it up and tries to manage this. You just have to hope that that's what they're going to do because for this, I mean, there's a way that this works out perfectly. 
And that's what's getting lost. It might be slim odds that we hit the nail on the head right away, but there is a way where the competitive balance remains the same. The all the different sports, like you know, the the schools are still key, the athletic departments are still keeping their funding from the boosters. There's the the student athletes are just taking ad money that people would have been spending on doing other things anyway, and they're willing to invest it in these kids instead. You know, there's a way that all this works out and everybody is in the same standing or better going forward. But for that to happen, all of the different parties just have to start working together right now because there's only three years to figure out all of the nuances in all of these new rules that are going to be coming out. And I just have no faith that that's what's going to happen. None. And that starts with the NCAA. Um the fact that the, that there's no union for college athletes makes it pretty tough for them to negotiate and that's their own fault because they've pushed so hard to avoid that kind of thing they've just tried to silence people and so now that they're actually something goes wrong they don't have the infrastructure in place to figure out how to make it work out for everybody because that's not what they're built for they're built for being a dictatorship and so, yeah, like you're excited, Sunny Rain, to see the NCAA tamper t- temper tantrum. That's fair because they deserve to melt down publicly. They deserve to have people really hate them because they've done some pretty bad, shady things. It'd also be nice if they would just decide, okay, we lost. Let's let's just figure out how to make this work best for everybody. We'll see. We'll see. Um. I think that's it for content today. Uh, I will be back tomorrow with an awesome podcast that I am so excited about. Uh, Not going to be too much football talk, but we have some awesome stuff planned that I'm so excited to share with you. I've been excited for a couple days now, and I've been trying to keep my mouth shut about it because I want it to be a surprise what we're doing. But um, yeah, not much football talk. Going to be a cool day with some cool conversations. And... Maybe we'll get some football. I think there could be some interesting football takes tomorrow too. It's going to be a blast. So be on the lookout for that. It's, I seriously don't know if I've been this excited for a podcast, uh, ever. I, 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 this tomorrow is going to be awesome. That's what I'm going to say. And I did just realize that even if we don't get too heavy into the football talk, there will be some, some takes on that new law in California. And I think they're going to be takes from people who, have a little different perspective than all of us who just like to watch college sports. All right. Uh, that's it for today. Send in your questions. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to get to them tomorrow just because, because there are reasons and we'll get to those Thursday or Friday if we don't have a chance to get to them tomorrow. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's the plan. Hope you guys are as excited as I am. It's going to be a blast. And it was awesome talking to you guys today. Appreciate you for listening. And we'll be back tomorrow with some fun content. Excited for you guys to hear it. Uh, thanks. Bye, guys. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play. I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holland get a bus with my Colorado sway. Sway. My Colorado swag, 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 my Colorado swag,
you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army, with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And boaters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag. 